And you need one. Raise it up real high. You, you need to get in the habit of bringing your Bible with you to church. Just reading the Bible, getting in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, you get in the Word and God will get into you. You get God into your mind and God will transform it and get God in your heart with the Word of God. Just raise it up real high. Then go with me to the book of Psalm 51. The 51st Psalm. Now, in times of adversity in our lives, and, and we have an obstacle to deal with, the obstacle isn't the issue, the obstacle is my choices. What am I going to do? Am I going to turn to God? And so each one of us have choices to make. And my choices will either help me be the exception, or they'll help me be exceptional. But what I found in, in change in my life, or even my choices, that if I don't learn to change in life and let the Word of God shape me, and I'm going to live in chains. I'm going to live in bondage. And so we've been talking about for the last, I don't know how long, about freedom. And God wants each one of us to be free. The Bible says that He came to set the captives free. Came to break the yokes of bondage. To heal the brokenhearted. I believe God's still doing that. He's still the God who sets folk free. And so we're going to add to it today a little bit. Just a little bit different of a slant today. Go to Psalm 51. And I'll begin reading in verse number 1. And it says, have mercy upon me, O God. This is King David talking here. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Now, there's some wording in there that we really, really need to understand and get familiar with this morning. The very first one is there at the end of verse number 1. And David said, blot out my transgression. Now a transgression, guys, means when you've sinned against somebody else. And each one of us in this room have done that. Where we've sinned against somebody else. Now he's saying here, blot out my transgressions. In other words, David said, I'm going to take responsibility for what I've done. And in his situation, he had committed adultery with a woman in Bathsheba. And he had also had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed. And so this was what David was talking about. Blot out my transgression. He says next in verse 2, wash, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Now iniquity, guys, is a sin that is ongoing. It's a tendency in our life that has never been resolved. And a lot of times you see the word iniquity when it's associated with generation. And so what that means that through our bloodlines, through generation after generation, this sin or this iniquity now has never been dealt with. So now it's become a legacy. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And so what happens in our lives, that because that sin, that iniquity is never dealt with, it becomes embedded and entrenched in our lives. The third one he talks about is the word sin. The word sin itself means to miss the mark or miss the mark of God's standards. And so when you look at all this here, you begin to see that David, he takes responsibility. If you'll notice in verse 1 and 2 how many times he said, my, my transgression, my iniquity, my sin. Now keep reading with me in verse 3. For I acknowledge or I'm conscious of my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so, like here with David, took responsibility. I believe that's big for me and you. He took responsibility for his actions. He took responsibility for his choices, his decisions, even in his life. Now, when you study the Bible, the Lord said that David was a man after his own heart. I don't know if any of you have ever prayed that. I've prayed that. I said, Lord, help me to become a man after your own heart. You know why I think that David was that man after God's own heart? It's not because all the great things he did on this earth. I believe it was his response to sin. I believe his heart was when he, he sinned, it bothered him. It, it touched his heart. I don't want to do that. And I don't know about you, but for years of my life when I sinned, it didn't bother me to sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. I was a good sinner, and so it didn't bother me to sin. When I sin now, guys, or get over and I miss the mark, it bothers me. Now, we ought to be praying, Father God, help us to be men and women after your own heart. Because there's times when I've, I've missed the mark in my own life, guys. I don't sleep at night until I get right with God. That's a good thing. I believe that's what God wants us to understand. Now, to really get deeper in this this morning... And the iniquities what he should talk about. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Genesis, then Exodus. Exodus 20. This is important, guys, for us to understand repentance. Because I'm going to be a person of humility. A person of humility takes full responsibility for their sin. A person who's prideful will live by an alibi. You know what an alibi is? It's just another form for a lie. And so a true heart is a heart that's repentant. Now let me ask you this as you're turning to Exodus 20. How many of you repent of your sins because you got caught? You don't have to raise your hand. See, most of the times in our lives, if we didn't get caught for our sins, how many of us would respond to the Lord? Most of us wouldn't. We just keep going on along like nothing happened. And so many times, I believe when we confess our sins, if we're not careful, we're not sorry for our behavior, our tendencies. We're sorry we got caught. I've been there. I've been both sides of that coin. And so I think that was the big deal with David. Even though ultimately in his life, he got caught. Now here we are in Exodus 20. And, and to start off there, it says the Ten Commandments. It didn't say the Ten Suggestions. It didn't say of these ten, all you have to do is pick five. No. I still believe in the Ten Commandments. Guys, it's, it's astounding to me. What happened in America? What happened in our public schools when they took the Ten Commandments out of our buildings? I'm going to tell you, our morals declined rapidly. Some of you will remember this. I remember being in elementary school, and this will probably mark my age. I'm in my late 30s now. But the, the, the Ten Commandments were hung up on billboards. You'd see those. And they would be right there before you. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Think about this, guys. How many of you had to be taught how to sin? None of us. I don't ever remember my dad loading us up in a car and said, Okay, boys, we're going to take you to class today to teach you how to lie. Well, we're going to take you to class today to let you all learn how to become good. I want you boys to be good adulterers. Ah, you don't have to learn that. And so it's important that we have the Ten Commandments. Read with me, starting in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself carved images, any likeness of anything. Nothing, whatever, that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. Now, no human effort could represent God adequately. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's nothing. And so when I look at these, I must ask myself, is there anything in my life, in your life, that you put above God? Now, I'm not talking about some wooden carving, or carving that we, we worship. Think about in our lives, what can be the God of your life? I'm going to tell you, if you're not very careful, there's things that become the God of your life. Uh, if you're not careful, go to the NFL. The lake. A boat. Golf. The mall. I mean, there's a lot of things that we put above God. And so it is still relevant for our society. This is right here. Verse 5, and when you read here in these Ten Commandments, there's good news and bad news. Verse 5 is bad news. Now read it. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting or punishing the iniquity. Now there's that word iniquity, and you remember what it meant. Iniquity is a sin that's never been resolved. It's ongoing. So he said, I am visiting or punishing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now to hate the Lord here is not to obey the Lord. But when you read this, your choices, my choices, are going to impact future generations. Those, this verse right here is a warning that your decisions and your choices will be transmitted to successive generations. In other words, it becomes like spiritual genetics. The thing that God looks for is for someone to stop this pattern or behavior. And so what you begin to see here, guys, if there's never any repentance for iniquity, and people turn from that, then the iniquity continues. In other words, the legacy will go on. Now what I find out about these things called iniquities, from the fathers to the third, the fourth generation, from each generation, they get stronger. And they get stronger. And they get stronger. And so what happens here, guys, is they lead to bondage. They lead to people being held in captivity. So listen, we've been talking about Jesus is the one who breaks the yokes of bondage. He wants to set the captives free. I believe this very strongly right now, that there's some of you in the room, if not all of us, that are battling certain generational iniquities right now. Now the thing is, what you've got to understand is this, I don't have to keep obeying those. You can be what I call a generational history maker. Now the reason I'm talking about this this morning, because you start seeing people get set free, you talk about yokes of bondage being broken in people's lives, you know what happens? The devil doesn't like it, guys. He does not like us probing around in what he feels like is his jurisdiction. Why do I say jurisdiction there? Because when you think about generational stuff, guys, this can be patterns in our family bloodlines been around for a hundred years. From generation to generation to generation. Does that mean, Pastor, we need to back off? No, 
That doesn't need to back off. That means, you know what we need to do? We need to floor it. We need to put the whole accelerator down and say, hey, if Jesus came to set the captives free, then I'm not going to live in your bondage. I'm not going to live in that. But you know what it's going to take? Us learning the things of God and responding to God. Now, to give you a little bit more of a detail what, what I'm talking about, I, I think probably four or five years ago, we have the men of iron up in the mountain, and it's every year at the end of April now, men make plans to attend 12, 1,300 men. One year, I'm speaking on generational curses. And at the end, man, I can tell God is moving in an incredible way. You get men in a situation where they don't have to go to work, they don't have any responsibility as far as being a daddy, uh, a husband, anything. You get them in a setting like that, I'm going to tell you, men will respond. Something happens when it's men on men, man, when we get in there. And so that night, literally, of the 12, 1,300 men, there were three or 400 come down to an altar very similar to this. And as men started coming down, I'm on a platform, guys, and I sense the presence of God in an incredible way. I mean, an anointing that you, you can just sense behind me. I'm like, wow, God's here to do something. But when I would get real close to where all these men were, guys, I would sense an evil incredibly. And so it was almost like a dividing line. Well, God began to move and He did great, great things that night. And after it was over, I got, to, got around a man who, who's very sensitive to the things of God. And he asked me, he said, tell me what you were sensing. Well, I told him, I sensed God here and I sensed the evil here. And he said, let me tell you what was going on. He said, behind you was masses of angels. And he said, the angels had their swords. And he said, when the angels have their swords out, they're there for business. Now, it's biblical for that, guys. Hebrews 1.14 says that, that he sends his angels to the heirs of salvation. That's us. There's an angelic presence. And so I said, so when I got real close to here, I sensed the evil. And you know what he said? He said, Pastor, you've got to realize you're facing opposition that has been in family bloodlines forever. And he said, the devil does not want to give that up. He does not want men being set free. So literally right there was a clash between light and darkness. Between good and evil. And I'm going to tell you guys, a lot, a lot of men got set free. Now, verse 5 was the bad news. The iniquities are handed down to the third and fourth generations. A lot of people say, well, that's not fair. Well, let's keep reading. He said, so these are handed down to the generations of those who hate me, but... That word but, there's a contrast. It says, but showing mercy to the thousands. I love that right there. An unswerving loyalty to the thousands. And so what he's telling us here... The reward for obeying is 500 times more powerful than the reward for sin. How do you know that? We'll keep reading here. Showing mercy to the thousands to those who what? Love me and keep my commandments. So you know what I see here, guys? That mercy, when we love God and we obey God, man, it, it backs us up. It comes in in an incredible way. But when I don't love God and when I don't obey God, you know what it said there? Basically, it hinders mercy. 
And so when you begin to put all this together, guys, God is looking for ones of us to stand up to the tendencies, the legacies in our family. Now for me or you to try to justify my sin or to rationalize it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to keep repeating it. You're going to, you can try to justify your behavior any way you want it. I'm going to tell you guys, that doesn't lead to freedom. Now, to get set free like the Lord's talking, go back to another one book over to the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. Pick up with me here in verse number 26, or chapter 26. Oh, I'm telling you guys, God's got some freedom here for you today. I've got to hook up. Leviticus, Leviticus 26, verse 40. But if they confess their iniquity, you know who they is? Me and you. That if we take responsibility, and the iniquity of their fathers. Now many times right here we say time out. This doesn't seem fair, that I've got to confess my iniquity, but I've also got to confess the iniquities of my father and previous generations. Yeah, you know why? Because sin has never been confessed. Sin has never been repented of, so that's what's handed down genetically. It just keeps going, it just keeps going. And so you know what? God is raising up right now generational history makers. Ones that'll say, I see this tendency or this pattern in my family bloodline, but if the Word of God tells me I need to confess, I'm going to do it. And keep reading, he says, with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, and they have also walked contrary or disobediently to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised or hard hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt. In other words, you know what he's telling us? You've got to take responsibility for all the junk that's going on in your life. See, you know what, as, as human beings, you know what we would rather do? We'd rather blame others. We'd rather make excuses. And he's saying, just take responsibility for it. So what happens when we do that? Verse 42, then I will remember my covenant. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, God's not a covenant breaker. God's never broke the covenant. Because of our disobedience and the way we respond to God, we break the covenant here. See, God is an equal opportunity employer. All He's looking for is ones to obey. God's not a God of entitlement. God is a God who, who, who thrives off of men and women being obedient. So He's just looking this morning for someone to say, Okay, Father God, I recognize things in my life. Now go back with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and you're fixing to get blessed, because I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that there's many to, of you today that you're dealing with generational junk in your life. I don't say that negatively, I say that this way. Woo, I'm going to be a generational history maker. I'm going to change the legacy, the tendency of my family. Psalm 51, we got to verse 4, now I'm going to read one more verse in there, verse 5. King David speaking here, and he said, Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity. Listen, this is, this is what the greatest king of Israel besides Jesus said. Now I want you to understand, 
as the, one of the greatest kings ever, this was a man that says, I was brought forth in sin. Actually, Romans 5.17 says that because one man's uh, sin, sin entered the world. Sin entered to everyone. So guess what, guys? Whenever one of us are born into this world, we're born into sin. Whether you like to think that or not. That's why I said earlier, you didn't have to be taught how to sin. It came pretty natural. How many of you have had to go to cussing one-on-one? I didn't have to learn to cuss. It just came naturally. So that's what happens. So this is what he's talking about. I was born or birthed in a state of iniquity. Then he goes on to say, And in sin, or a state of sin, my mother conceived me. And so what you begin to see here in David's own life, this tendency of sin was handed down. Now what goes on here, if I never change my nature then I'll never change my appetite. And if I never change my appetite, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to blame. I'm going to live a life of blaming and excuses. Now just like David, guys, David took responsibility for his choices. That's what me and you must begin to do. Because if we don't, guys, this tendency, this legacy keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Now just for a minute, think about this. There's a man, and I'm just going to use his murder as an illustration. There's a man who commits murder. If that man never gives his heart to Jesus, and when I give my heart to Jesus, you know what it does? It changes my nature. If he never gives his heart to Jesus, and never repents of what he did, that generational iniquity of murder will be handed down to the next son. Now that son doesn't have to give into it, but if that son does not get born again and repent of that, then it gets handed down to the next one. And before long, those sins will be a tendency. Those sins will be in a legacy of that family's life. Have you ever seen that, Pastor? I have. I know brothers that I grew up with that four of them, all four of them, are on death row in New Mexico. All four of them. Now I want you to think about this just for a little bit. What are some of the tendencies in your family? The family bloodline. And it can range from a lot of different things as far as if you've had parents that never would walk in forgiveness. It's easy for you then to walk in unforgiveness. If they are a, a, a person of, of wrath, just say you had a mom or a dad that operated in anger all the time and you see that happen in your life, it's a good possibility that that's iniquity. See, we can keep going on. We can have patterns in our life or tendencies in our life. And my point in telling you that, guys, is you don't have to keep going that way. Now, I would be willing to bet in this room right now, every one of us have functioned in some certain iniquities in our family bloodline, and you may not even have known it. Now, think about things in your family bloodline. It, it can range from, from uh, drunkenness, it can range from drug addiction. It can range from abor abortion. It can range from divorce. And you got to look at these things, guys. Because these things are handed down and they lead us to bondage. Now, if you've been coming to church here very long, you're gonna t I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to expose myself, and I don't have a problem doing it. As I'm telling you this story, go with me to 2 Corinthians real quick. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In my own life, guys... The generational iniquity 
that was passed down to me was in the form of alcohol. I mean, you're crazy. Crazy stuff. And that's why I said, guys, the, the, the generational stuff will get stronger from each one. Well, I remember growing up that I had a grandfather that he died when I was five. You know what he died of? He died of alcoholism. And so growing up, this was what would be said around me when I would get around relatives. They would say, you not only look like your grandfather, you act like him. Well, growing up, I didn't realize the severity of that. But when I got in my teenage years, I began to understand completely what that was. And so even in my own life now, I've yielded to that and I've become a drunk, guys. I mean, where it dominated me. I mean, dominated does it still dominate you? Not no more. Not no more. And so I'm going to teach you right here through the B-I-B-L-E this morning. If you'll heed this, guys, man, get ready. God will set you free. One of the first things you've got to understand is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Look what it says here. Therefore, if anyone... You know who the anyone is? Every one of us in here today. If anyone is in Christ, if he's been engrafted in Christ... He is a new creation. What does that mean? It means when you get born again. When you give your heart to Jesus. You know what Jesus does? He comes on the inside of you and He'll change your nature. This is where Jesus said in John 3, He said to Nicodemus, He said, listen Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus' response was, how can I re-enter my mother's womb? Well, Jesus wasn't talking about a biological rebirth. That's, that's impossible. He was talking about a spiritual birth. And he went on to say in John 3, 6, he said, that is which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that's which is born of the Spirit, Spirit. So the first thing, you've got to give your heart to Jesus. And salvation, I want you to know this today, is more than a ticket just out of hell. See, many times people come down and they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior just because they say, I don't want to go to hell. I don't blame you. I don't want to go to hell either. But salvation is a lot more than that. It's, it's a place where Jesus comes on the inside of you and look what He said would happen. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation. Those old things have passed away. Those old moral conditions. And behold, all things have become new. And so listen, just because you change your conduct doesn't make you a child of God. You know, you know what changes you with God? is when God comes on the inside of you and changes your identity. And when you start living and having a relationship with Jesus Christ, it'll change areas of your life. But I must get born again. That's number one, guys. You've got to give your heart to Jesus. I mean fully. What's number two? Go to Colossians chapter 1. Just over a couple books to your right, and you'll hit Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Oh, get ready. You're fixing, fixing, fixing to get blessed, guys. You'll see some truth here. Colossians 1. Pick up with me in verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. This ought to be a desire of us. Being fruitful... In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, to increase in the knowledge of God, you know what you got to do? You got to get in the Word. 
You've got to get in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. So many times in our life, you know, people get born again, but they never do anything past that, so their spiritual growth is stunted. You stay in an infant or a babyhood stage. This is what he's saying. Let your knowledge be increased, and I think as the knowledge is increased and we act on that knowledge, you're going to have incredible fruit in your life. If you'll keep hungering the Word of God, verse 11, strengthen with all might and according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, He's going to strengthen you. Now, get ready right here. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. The Father, what have we been qualified to? Well, first of all, who qualified you? Jesus did. When you give your heart to Jesus, right there, you've been qualified. And you said, well, I didn't do anything. That's exactly right. The only thing you did is you received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And because He's qualified us, look what takes place. To be partakers or to share of the inheritance of the saints in life. So guess what? Because you gave your heart to Jesus, you got an inheritance. What do you do for inheritance? You just receive it. You just welcome it. What is that inheritance? Oh, look at this. Verse number 13. He has delivered us, or has delivered me, from the power of darkness. The Amplified says, He has delivered me from the control and dominion of darkness. Now I want you to highlight some things there. He has delivered you. Notice it doesn't say He's going to deliver you when you get to heaven. He said He has delivered you from the power of darkness, from the control and dominion of darkness. Now I want you to think just a second. What's dominated you with darkness? What's it been? See, in my own life, guys, it was alcohol. So guess what I begin to say? Well, Lord, if I've been qualified by Jesus, and i got an inheritance through Jesus, and He's delivered me from the control of darkness, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and receive it. I'm just going to go ahead and start operating and acting on that. So you know what I begin to do? I begin to speak Colossians 1.13 over my life. And you know what I begin to say? Oh, I thank you today, Lord, that you have delivered me out of the power of darkness. And I begin to celebrate, guys. And I begin to watch the Word of God work in my life. And I wrote that verse down on three by five cards. I stuck it on my bathroom mirror. I stuck it on my dashboard. I would carry them in my pockets. And I would look at that throughout the day. And I would say to myself, He has delivered you out of the power of darkness. You know what? Alcohol has no dominion, has no control over me anymore. And I kept speaking it, and I kept walking it out. And you know what I did? I took responsibility in my own life. You know what? It had been very easy to say, well, Grandpa was this way, I'm going to be this way. That's the way it is. But you know what really began to bother me? I could have done that for me. That would have been selfish for me. But you know what I began to realize through the Scriptures? 
the junk in my life that I don't get a hold of and get victory over, guess who inherits that? My children and my grandchildren. And it would wreck me inwardly, guys, to think that. To think, because I wasn't going to be a man enough. He said in verse 11, I'll strengthen you. And so I just began to receive it, guys. Now, did it happen overnight? No, it didn't happen overnight. But it did happen. And you get a guy, you get a look at a guy today, and I don't say this arrogantly or haughtily, I just say I begin to live by the promises. I'm a partaker. You know what? You are too. Quit living beneath your privilege. Quit living beneath your inheritances. Begin to get a hold of this and say, Okay, Lord, if you've delivered me, here you go. You can have it. And look what else he said he would do. And he will convey you or transfer you into the kingdom of his son, of his love. You know what? He's transferred me. You know where he's transferred me from? From one realm into another. From the realm of darkness and dominion and control of the devil into the kingdom of light. And all I had to do was receive Jesus, repent, and then say, okay, Lord Jesus, I thank you. You've delivered me. I thank you. And you know, to this day, guys, I, I don't know. It's been forever since I've been drunk. That stuff has no dominion over me anymore. I look at that and I laugh. And see, that's what we must all do with the things in our life. I don't look at the things of your life as negative. I look at it as an opportunity for God to deliver you. If you'll hook up. How do I hook up? Well, this is the last one. Look here. Right there in verse 14. In whom, which is Jesus, we have. You know what? I just double dog dare you today to put I have. I have. I have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. You know what the word redemption means? You've been repurchased. The only way I could be redeemed was by the blood of Jesus. And just as we sang this morning, what can wash me? Nothing but the blood. The blood has repurchased every one of us in this room and the blood of Jesus still speaks to this day. Actually, in Revelations 12, 11, it says, we overcome by the blood of Jesus. You know what the blood says? Victory. The blood says, I conquered it. The blood says, I set you up for greatness today. And so some of you this morning, quit living those lies of those iniquities. Quit living underneath those and thinking, this is how it's always been. Now, it doesn't have to always be that way. But you're going to have to rise up. And you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to start wearing the blood of Jesus. I'm going to let the blood cleanse me. One of the greatest things you can do every day is say, I, I speak the blood of Jesus over my mind today. I speak the blood of Jesus over my eyes. I speak the blood of Jesus. And begin to tell the devil, you have no dominion over me. No dominion. And what happens, Pastor, if I blow it? I repent and I get back up. There in Proverbs, I think it's 24, it says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. I get back up and I keep repenting and I keep speaking the Word of God. I keep speaking the Word of God. 
Your prayer, guys, got to be, I thank you, Father God, you've delivered me out of the power of darkness. I thank you, Lord, you've set me free. You've set me free. And I laugh when people say, the Word of God doesn't work anymore. I scratch my head and say, you're kidding me. Because it worked for me. It still, it still has power. The blood still speaks today, guys. And you got to get a hold of the blood. you got to get a hold of the name of Jesus. You know part of your inheritance in, in the kingdom is the name of Jesus. And I remember when I got born again, I didn't understand hardly anything about the B-I-B-L-E. But you know what I did understand? The name of Jesus and the blood. And I began to speak them. And there was days, that's all I could say. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood. You know why I think at times, that's all you need to know right there. That's all, that, that, is, that is Bible 101. Why do I tell you that? Philippians 2.9 says, The name of Jesus above the name above every name. The name above every name. You know what? Alcohol had a name. But I knew it was under the name of Jesus. I knew. Stand on your feet with me today. Woo, hallelujah. The, the a day that the iniquities are broken, guys. The day that you can be transferred. The day you can be set free. But it's got to be your choice. And the big thing is, begin to change that old nature in you. Begin to say, man, I'm a, I'm a new creation. See, when I tell you about my drunkenness, I don't have a problem at times telling you about that. You know why? That's that old man. That's that old man. You know what happened to that old man? He's dead. He died. And you get to see the new man, which was what? Created in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said that all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you know what I like? If He said that all things are passed away and things have become new, I'm just going to agree with Him. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm a brand new man. And that's the same as you. When you give your heart to Jesus, bow your head with me. And the, 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 the key, guys, i got to give my heart to Jesus. And if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, I believe today He's probably tugging at you. Probably pulling at your heart today. 